The following is brought to you by Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. TotalSeal.com Hello and welcome to another edition of Hidden Horsepower presented by Total Seal Piston Rings. I'm Joe Costello and that's right, we are back. We are back with another episode and we've been doing a lot of the PRI stuff going back all this great content but we had to get together and my man Keith Jones the director of technical sales for Total Seal Piston Rings he hadn't been on an episode in a long time and he was like hey man I gotta get on an episode and so here it is Keith welcome back how are you I am glad to be here thank you I'm doing great uh you know missed PRI this time first time you know this last year uh, didn't see all my friends, didn't see all my people, uh, got COVID, and, you know, hey, it took me out. So uh, I missed a whole bunch of them, but here we are again and glad to be here. The good news is we're only half a year away from the next one, and so you can make up for it really easily, and it will be it will be great. You were missed, and, and everybody who has been listening to the great content from PRI knows it was spectacular, and 2023 is going to be even better. They always seem to grow and get further out of control. Uh, but this is a great episode, Keith. You you came with this idea. Uh, Dan Tim. Tell me a little bit about Dan. Well, I've known Dan, you know, gosh, I don't want to say exactly how many years, but it's been a long time. It's got to be approaching 20 years. Uh, did a technical seminar at JE Pistons back when they were still in the LA area, and I met Dan there. And at that time, Dan was working for Carl Wegner's at, at Wegner's in Wisconsin, you know, NASCAR team. And uh, we'll just say we've been friends ever since. You know, we, we talk tech, we talk stuff, uh, we talk all things Wisconsin, and you have a good time doing it. Well, I love the way you say Wisconsin. You're almost like you're from Wisconsin. Almost, almost Illinois, but I was close. <laughs> yeah, no, I could hear it. So without going any further, let's bring him into the show from Advanced Engine Concepts, Mr. Dan Tim. Dan, welcome to the show. Hello. Glad to be here. Uh, you say that now, but in 20 minutes we're going to ask you again, <laughs> and we'll see how it goes. Now, what do you think about what Keith had to say? Obviously, you've got a great uh, bio and background. You started your own engine company, kind of continuing down the road. But what's your side of the Keith Jones relationship? Do you agree? <laughs> Yeah, it's been probably longer than that. I hate to hate to date us both, but yeah, it's been awful long time. Uh, my my affiliation to Total Seal goes before Keith even. Uh, so I've known about that stuff, used that stuff for a long time. Um, yeah, as he said, I started for Carl Wagner. I was the first full time employee that wasn't the inside of the shop had some dirt floor left in it still when I started there and grew into quite, uh, quite the thing. We had crazy amounts of success for a bunch of kids in a farm field. And, uh, it's been, I'm probably one of the luckiest people to have ever been in motorsports. you know, for, for when I started, I mean, all of the hall of fame heroes were racing then. And, uh, you know, you're talking about PRI, uh, Wagner's and PRI were almost, you know, not, I won't say from the beginning, but really close to the beginning, we were invited into it by Smokey Eunuch, came over and said, listen, you guys, we need your input in this thing. If this is going to work, you got to be there. And it's like, nah, you know, it, we really can't, those are our people we compete against, not our 
He's like, no, you're not hearing me. I said, you're going to be there. And when Smokey uh, insists on something, you know how about how that goes. So consequently, we were there every year after that. And I was the point man for that. So incredible, fun times. Um, you know, got got to meet Smokey, got to know Smokey really good. Um, he was, you know, of course, was always, a, you know, really tight with Donnie Allison's. And we started the NASCAR stuff with, with Bobby Allison and then with Donnie and you know, Donnie says, well, you need to meet Smokey Eunuch. And I about was out of breath when he said we were going to talk to the guy, you know. And and then it got to where, you know, on the down days, we'd go over there and work at the shop, even if it wasn't on something of ours, just to be around the guy, you know. Wow. Keith, right out of the way, this guy comes out of the box with a Smokey Eunuch story. Yeah, you, you got to love that. And and, <laughs> and as, as Dan said, you didn't say no to Smokey. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'll tell you my favorite Smokey story, and I hate to get too far off, but so we're down there, and, and you know, he's growling around, he's working on the lathe, and he's like, listen, you need to help me find my damn hearing aid. You know, so I start backtracking everywhere with him. We're looking every place for this damn hearing aid, and all of a sudden he says, well, it's in my goddamn ear. And I said, Smokey, I thought you were looking for the other one. He said, I don't have an other one. <laughs> that's my favorite time with Smokey. Oh man! Now, well, listen. I, you know, we got a thousand questions we could ask just about Smokey and that um, pushing the edge. The, what was the edge? The rule book had barely been written. He had come up with so many amazing things uh, that is incredible. But it sounds like you have taken a lot of that experience. And, uh, you know, through Carl's and, and being around legends like that. And I know Carl's got a great uh, background uh, in, you know, in NASCAR and short track stuff, as you said. But you've now started your own company, uh, Advanced Engine Concepts. How did that how did that happen? But before we get to that, go before the Smokey Unix story. How did you realize you were mechanical? How did you realize that this was something you were interested in? Well, when I was... Uh... About five years old, I got a bicycle at Christmas, and they, of course, stored it in the basement until it got warm, you know, and the snow was gone. And when my mom went down to get my bicycle, I had it completely tore apart in the basement, and she started yelling at me, so I put it back together. And uh, from there, I just, my dad was a mechanic, so I always like to spend whatever time I could at the garage, even though I was way too small to be there. Um, they would let me and and uh, so I was always around this stuff. And then I, you know, just kept being a mechanic. And Carl happened in, he was actually pulled up to the gas station where I was working. And his car wouldn't start. It was a, like a 70s Vega. And you know, HEI, you know, and he was growling about the damn ignition and this and that. And we pushed it in and I said, well, it's probably this, this and this. And I changed it and got it going. And that was the first time I'd ever met him. And uh, then one of the guys that worked there, you know, was telling me, you know who that was? I said, no, I didn't know who he was at all. You know, and he told me, well, geez, you know, so then just shortly thereafter, he wanted to get something you know, hot rod part for his car. So he wanted to kind of work a deal with Carl and Carl said, well, if you want to work a deal, I got this pickup truck. We need to pull the engine out of. So 
he talked me into, he's like, well, you know, you know the guy, so let's go out there, you know, and, and we'll pull this engine. So we pulled the engine out, and they were going to take all the stuff off of that and put it on this new engine to go in there. And so we went back then the day we were supposed to. And, of course, I know this would be shocking at an engine shop, but we got there, and it wasn't ready. Huh. And uh, so <laughs> so he's like, hey, why you're, don't just stand around here while you're at that, you know, clean this up and do this and do that. So we fiddled with all that stuff and they got it all ready. And of course my buddy, as he often did, got lost on his way there and, you know, never showed up, but I showed up and put the thing in myself, got it running and everything. And he said, boy, you're pretty damn handy. Would you mind coming out a few nights? And I was like, I suppose I could, I work at the garage until six. He's like, Carl's like, well, you can work as late as you want here. I don't care. I work till at least midnight every night. And I was like, holy crap, this is like a dream come true. I can work practically all night. And so that's that began uh, what turned into a 33 years there. Um, then, you know, we went through that whole gamut through the, the Bush stuff. And, you know, at the end of that, all the teams were kind of, I don't know, things were starting to get grouped up to where, the cup guys would build the engines for all the lesser groups. You know, they were sort of trying to pull people out of that whole thing so they could get a bigger, better handle on it, I guess. So that took like a really big share of, of the business away. And uh, we were just, we were just too invested in it. And, you know, it, it got really to be a struggle there. And I had directions I wanted to go. They had directions they wanted to go. And it was, you know, I got divorced in the middle of all this stuff, and leaving Wagner's was almost tougher than the divorce because we had spent every waking hour together for 30 years, and and uh, you know it was kind of it was quite a quite a change, quite a change. But I came over here and started to kind of do my own thing. You know, it's a much smaller situation. Actually, myself and Paul Schwant, two only full time ones, we our hands on with every sing, single part of it, you know, and, and uh, we're, we're really dissecting things down, slicing it up thinner than we ever did before. And, uh, you know, I got to where, even if it wasn't Wagner stuff, I could go and tune somewhere, any, any place I wanted to be racing and get paid to do that stuff. And I kind of thought I was pretty smart. You know, I, I thought I kind of had a handle on things. And since I came over here, I found out that I probably can't even live long enough to learn everything that I want to learn before I'm done, uh, you know, doing this. Uh, there's just so much. Every single thing that you change opens up something else. You know, I mean, you know, you can take and I know it's been discussed on the program quite a bit with with the rings i mean look at all the differences there and every single thing that that those things bring changes something else because you know their expertise to make better rings well what does that honestly mean you know you can probably put all kinds of scientific terms into it or or whatever but basically what they accomplish is how far does the piston move upward before it's completely sealed up and actually pushing? So really and tru truly total seal rings are making crankshafts longer, you know, because the quicker it seals, the more push you get, the more push you get, the more you got, you know? So 
you know, somebody with some old technology or isn't doing things right, you know, they got a four and a half inch stroke crank, but they're, they're lucky if they're using four inches of it, you know, and, and, uh, these guys, they get everything out of it. And, and yeah, that's, that's better. And when you think about it there, but then that changes what you're going to do camshaft wise and, and everything. So, I mean, one thing leads into another, into another, into another, and, and, uh, you know, it changes the whole picture. And so, you know, I, I get kind of, you know, hollered at because, well, how come engines used to only make this much power and, and now they make this and you must be cheating. And it's like, people can't understand, especially lazy people can't understand that we're learning. We're not necessarily cheating. We're learning. Amazing. Keith, jump in here with a question for Dan. Well, it's, it's a comment and a question. It's what Dan just you know, discussed is looking at how effective, you know, going to the ring side of it, how effective the ring seal is through all the stroke, not just, you know, like you say, you've got to, you've got to make it work in all positions. What, what kind of stuff have you seen there, Dan? Have you seen it pull, you know, more fuel? Like you said, it affects camshaft. I know it affects manifold sizes. Uh, what's the biggest thing you see, you know, affected by improving that ring seal? If there is just one thing, and I know there's not. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, like I said, you know, we work on slicing it, you know, um, oftentimes in trying to be more efficient, in the burn and everything, obviously getting, getting the clean, the least amount of oil in there and the cleanest burn, you know, you come, you come down to let, let's just say one thing because, because crew chiefs and people like to use numbers that stick in their head, you know, they're like, well, geez, how come you only want to run 34 degrees of timing and that guy runs 38 degrees of timing, you know, and, and they think because it's a bigger number that must be better. Well, what's wrong with your engines? And and to try and get them to understand that if we could, we'd want to we'd run a run three degrees of timing because once you light that thing, the piston has to burn up energy just trying to push against it. So the closer you can get it when that you get that explosion, the the faster you can shove that piston down in there. You know, so you know cutting parasitic losses from the from the you know, the overlap stroke to the bat, you know, the amount of time that you have to force it up against, you know, up against the top, you know, if you can get that high compression, you know, big bang without having to push against it for three more degrees, that's a, that's a big uh, plus in the overall, you know? Yeah, a- absolutely. What Dan just said. I mean, like I say, you know, you would run the least amount of time you can. As Dan said, it's working against itself at that point. If we can improve ring seal, it's funny because I get phone calls from people that you know we've worked on their ring seal and improved things, whether it be you know better ring to ring groove or bore finishes or you know, and they'll call. I had one particular gentleman not that long ago call me, and he's complaining because he's got to pull jet. He's got a stocker, and he's having to pull jet out of the out of the engine. It's got you know, it's it's gone so fat. My God, you know, I've had to go from eighty threes down to seventy sixes, and and I'm like, well, that, that's a good thing. And he's like, what, what are you talking about? I said, it's pulling fuel now. I said, if you had to run that much jet into before, the rings weren't sealed. It wasn't pulling fuel. It's pulling fuel now. So. Some, like Dan says, sometimes you get a little hung up on the numbers and not understanding what that stuff truly represents. 
No, exactly, exactly. And if you've got good pull going down, that's good. That's basically booster signal if it's carbureted. And and that takes the place of some of the overlap that you put on it. So now you're not now you're not burning raw gas in the exhaust pipe. You're burning it in the combustion chamber instead. So you can you can change that amount of overlap, and uh, you know then then you get a motor that can can actually pull all the way up to RPM instead of getting to one point and then just making noise and flailing air around the rest of the way down the straightaway. And that answered my next question in a way. Uh, you mentioned we were talking about Wagner, so that's NASCAR stuff, but I did a little research into you and that you guys have scored a Trans Am championship and a couple of other titles, which is great. Where did, Where is the majority of your engine building business, Dan? What do you work on most of the time? You know, I, I have a hard time figuring. I mean, I've been picking up the short track asphalt stuff again, but it, you know, the, some of that comes and goes and, and whatever. I don't know that there's, I mean, I got a lot of drag racing stuff that I do. Um, you know, I, I have interest in all of it because it, it all pretty much goes together. You know, if you learn when, when we were, when things were really getting in a, you know, competitive and, you know, the stuff was changing weekly in NASCAR a lot of people were going and talking to the drag race people for their ideas on things. So, I mean, it was just funny because they had, you know, stayed in their own little barrel for a long time. And then all of a sudden they realized, holy cow, there's all this stuff out there that we aren't utilizing or are finding out, you know, and, and Carl, you know, was a drag racer, you know, before anything else. Um, at, at one point in time, he, uh, you know, even fielded a pro stock car in the early, early days. Wow. Um, super cool. I just so, want to mention he passed away in 2019, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that was, uh, my, my condolences, yeah, obviously. Yeah, I know yeah, it's it been a few yeah. years. I know it's been a few years, but, but we're, you know, we're talking about this guy and what a great impression he made on your life. I just want to make sure everybody knows he, uh, he passed away and may he rest in peace. Obviously someone who has done so much for you. Like that's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't, he was, uh, uh, you know, all about perfection. He didn't let us ever get complacent whatsoever. Now, if I can think back, he, he had absolutely the most fearless person I ever met in my life. I mean, there wasn't a door that was close to him because if it was closed, he just blew it right off the hinges. I mean, he just, he didn't, he was absolutely fearless when it came to when he wanted to do something or accomplish something. And, and, you know, almost, almost to a fault, he really never, he never, I don't know, realized how much we really accomplished. And I, we never, I mean, I can remember at one point in time, I think there was about 12 years in a row or something like that of, of, uh, engine builder of the year awards. And I don't know, something made him mad and he ripped them all off the wall and told us we could burn them and see if we could get enough heat to stay warm for five minutes out of it. You know, he wasn't going to say that, well, we've done this. It's like, no, tomorrow, what are we doing tomorrow? Uh, we won one weekend. I remember everybody was kind of on cloud nine. We had won the ARCA race. I think the, the, 
Bush. I think it was was not Xfinity yet. I think it was the Bush race, the truck race, the ARCA race, Bush North. I think a Trans Am race and a IMSA race and something else. And I think Joe Covert set a NHRA record all in one weekend. And we got the biggest ass chewing you ever could get in your life. He, you know, let us know that this, we, yeah, well, this is what these people pay you for and you did your job. So, okay, well, like it's, let's get to work because we got to win next week. You know, and he was, I mean, that was how he was. He was driven to always be better the next day than he was the day before. And so we never were allowed to keep a history of, of wins and stuff like that. I, I, I would, I, I don't even know who would ever, you know, look into it, but I would think the two of us worked on more race wins and championships than any two people in anything because it was spanned across so many different places. I mean, if it was Yakima, Washington or, or down in Florida or out, you know, Jamie Albee out on the East Coast or Stub Fadden or, you know, I mean, I, every once in a while I'll be sitting there thinking of names, you know, of people that I never thought of for years, you know, that we just were so blessed to be part of so many different people's uh, racing careers this is amazing. I'm, I'm probably the luckiest person in all of motorsports to have been part of all that. Well, one of the que- I'm going to make a comment that'll make a question. I remember the very first time I met Carl since we've been talking about Carl, and you know, came in. Dan's going to know this better now. You had the you had the picnic tables where everybody sat, you know, kind of the lunch area, and he and I talked for a couple minutes. The next thing I know, he, he he runs away, go grabs four or five guys in the shop, sits them down at the picnic tables, and he bottom line he goes, okay. You talk, pointing to me, you tell them what you told me, and then when you're done, they better ask questions because they don't know what it is you're talking about. And, and, and we just, after that, that we had a, the greatest relationship. Every time I would come in, we'd sit, talk, talk about ring stuff, honing stuff, engine stuff. He'd grab all the guys. Uh, I was, he always treated me very well, and I had the utmost respect for Carl. He and I got always got along very, very – we got along great, so I just wanted to say that. He, he was a great guy. But with that said, Dan, what, you know, how's you – know, this is kind of off the beaten path of the engine side of it, but I know you've been working with a bunch of dyno stuff. How's all that going? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, you know, I was, was working with the what's going to be the next generation of – Superflow stuff and of course the company got sold and I don't I hope I'm still on the list when they you know get that beta stuff because they kind of went in a different direction um, I'm sure that you know the notes of the things we talked about the really good group of people within there I hope they can keep all that stuff going along um, I wanted to be involved because I wanted to add you know the engine builder side because we got to try to you know th- this is a, a cool business but it's really tough. It's it's a really tough business to make any money in. And so if they get too crazy with what they do, it's hard for hardcore engine builder guys to, to be able to afford it. So I wanted to make sure that, that I stuck up for our side of that. Um, I've been working uh, on, with uh, a gas bench too, you know, which uh, Norm from West Tech in Wisconsin uh, you know, kind of brought the guy around to me, John Palick. And, uh, 
he he took and took a regular. I mean, yeah, that's his business. He sells an, analyzers for you know people to municipalities when they make sure your your car is good enough to give you another license plate and this and that. And uh, he hot rotted the hot rotted the thing up to where it brought the gas in quicker, analyzed it faster. And, and I am just probably, you know, three years into it and still just scratching the surface on what you can learn by looking at the combustion in the tailpipe or, you know, in the header collector, actually, um, what goes on there. I mean, there, there is a lot going on. And all I can say is my engines accelerate better than other people. They keep ripping them apart because they're convinced I'm a, the biggest cheater in the world. And it's just starting to understand. I mean, and like I say, I barely scratched the surface, but just starting to understand how to make the burn better. And the motor really responds, you know, as, as drag racing people, you, you know, that 60, first 60 feet is everything. And it's no different in anything you do. If you can get traction, um, or even if you can't get traction, that first 60 feet getting the most out of it is is the biggest thing, you know, to the whole straightaway speed, you know, because it doesn't it it increases exponentially down the straightaway. So, um, yeah, working on that kind of thing, uh, you know. You, sometimes people get to a point, you know, they might think some kind of things are beneath them. You know, we came here with the intent that we just had to pay the bank back, you know, so we're going to do whatever comes through the door. And shortly after we were here, you know, when we first started the first couple IMCA AMOD guys, you know, there's a billion of them people out there that come through the door. They wanted all the power you could put down. Well, that was simple for me. And a year later, the tires started coming with a lot of basically layman's terms, plastic in them and wouldn't hook up. And, and, you know, everybody's like, well, you just got to go to the crate motor and you got to do this. You got to do that. And I thought, well, wait a minute, you know, we're smart enough to figure this out. We just needed to, there's a point at which the wheels are straight and the tires are hooked to the track. And I want to have the most horsepower of anybody then. And if, if we can engineer a cam to, go like gangbusters off the bottom we surely could figure out how to make it to come on slower and down the straightaway and uh you know several of the companies now uh you know have camshafts that are centered around that and we just started doing that and it became a thing you know so nothing's ever you you can learn from even the most simplest of things wow interesting <laughs> interesting keith like uh this is right in line with what we consistently hear. Like, here's a person, Dan, who's got a world of experience, except he's still learning every single day is brand new. And uh, that is awesome. It's inspiring to hear, Dan, that you're like a kid almost, still figuring out the world. Yeah. Yeah, a 61-year-old kid. <laughs> Well, well the, I'll just comment. The beautiful thing is, you know, and, and, and having known Dan, it's like, it, this still excites him. You know, this is, this is the important thing, that you go in that shop, and when you take that engine and you do what you do to it, and you find another three, four, or five, or, as you just said, it accelerates faster. It didn't necessarily make more power, but the acceleration rate's quicker. You did your job. And, I, you know, to me, that's, that's the tangible thing. That's the, you know, that's the thing at the end of the day. You get to go, I did that, and that's a real good feeling. Absolutely. 
So what about, let's talk about like working with Keith and the folks at Total Seal because, you know, Keith can, can want to get experimental a little bit. Have you ever pushed the... <laughs> You ever push the edge of the envelope? Has there ever been a time where they suggested, hey, try this, Dan, and, um, you know, you got a, you got a result? Are you usually willing to experiment oh, yeah. with yeah. the technology? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we talk about the things good, and I, I think we, we have a good rapport, so I usually understand what he's, what he's saying. I already, you know, I always have all my dimensions when I call him, which means we can spend more time you know, understanding the principles of it all. And instead of just trying to figure it out, um, I think that's an important thing for anybody that, you know, when you call there, know what the heck you're looking for, at least size wise. And uh, yeah, he does push it. I've, I mean, I've probably put some rings in that were maybe a little too light. We've maybe smoked up the pits a little bit a time or two, but you know, at the end of the day, the stuff runs on the racetrack and we back up and we make some changes, but I, I can't ever remember a time when he got me in so much trouble that I had to take it back apart anyways, but maybe, maybe that happens once in a while, but, but yeah, I've, I've been re receptive to things when he's talked about them and, and tried to, you know, work around the stuff, but we, we definitely, you know, do the diligence and, and, you know, examine it from all angles, you know, right away. Well, what, yeah, well, one of the things like Dan said, you know, if you don't cross the line, how do you know where the line is? So sometimes we, you know, on occasion we do go a little too far, but anyway, we figured out where the line is. Uh, and, and, and I love working with Dan on this stuff because, you know, one of my, you know, the, the, we'll take types of things I love messing with is restricted classes, you know, NHRA stock, you know, stuff like that where, okay, here's the rules, here's what we have to work with, and Dan's great to work with with this stuff because it's like, okay, here's the rules. How do we work with inside these rules, but how do we make this better? What can we do? And, you know, and, and working those things and those angles and pushing it. And, you know, I've got a couple customers, just, you know, like Dan, that they're constantly being accused of cheating. And they're not cheating. They're just, I'll just throw it right out there. They're just smarter than you are. You know, they got it figured out. You need to go back to the board and keep working because these guys have got it sorted out. They're not cheating. They're just building a better engine. And I, and I love working with Dan because, you know, again, we're, we're, we're always trying to push that boundary to find that next thing. You know, it, it's, you know, any engine builder that, you know, is, is worth his salt is going to, is never satisfied. You know, like, like Dan commented about Carl, you know, yeah, we won seven races this weekend. What are we doing tomorrow? And, you know, that tenacity, that, you know, that, that drive is what keeps us going. Yeah. I, I agree with, with them there, you know, it, these guys, these guys do a lot in order to go and grace and compete. You know, I mean, nowadays you get a lot of them that have really rich parents and, and it kind of gets overlooked the fact that not all them parents, them parents maybe weren't always rich. They might've had to forgo everything they wanted to do as a younger person and worked and put their nose to the grindstone so they could try to live life through their kids. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of money. And, and in that, I think comes a responsibility, you know, and we try to keep that in mind when, I mean, it's fun and we can get, you know, you can look at it from a lot of angles, but it's a lot of money for, for somebody 
And I know that's one thing that we always try to do is respect the money that the people come in the door with and what they spend and what they get for it. And sometimes, you know, some manufacturers don't, don't seem to look at that. They just say, well, if you want to play, you got to pay, you know, and, and yeah, on one side that's true, but, but it's still, it's, it's their money and they choose to go to somebody, you know, we have to work hard to, to be worthy of it. I never in working with uh, total seal, you know, with Keith, with, with Matt, um, you know, they, they always get it, you know, and I think the culture there, even before them, I think it, that was understood that this is, you know, this is a big deal. It's a big deal. So I think that, that you know is deep in the dna there it's definitely was ingrained in me um i think keith likes uh cheese curds a lot too so you know we have the wisconsin cheese curd connection and and uh going to the silver crest and 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 the wisconsin things too it, it, it was well, funny you just mentioned that because a couple phone calls ago with keith simmons and he said the same thing. He goes, when are we going to the Silvercrest? <laughs> and, and for those that don't know, this is a you know, great place in Wisconsin, uh, good old supper club. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a blast right out of the 70s, and, and i got to tell you, it's one of my favorite places to go. Uh, we're going into the, the restaurant uh, portion on Hidden Horsepower yeah, here. Yeah, there we go. See, you got to know. you got to know where to go. I'm already you know looking. you're going to work all night. You know, yeah, and that's that's another, you know, kind of story. You know, we would, guys like Smokey, Scooter Brothers, you know, people like that, when they came, it was, you know, you didn't just go to lunch. You went to supper with them, and then you sat around. You know, I mean, you used every minute of that day they were around to be a sponge and just suck out every bit of what they were working on, what they were thinking, what other people were thinking and doing. Um, you know, the when when Smokey would come he'd stay right at Carl's house um the story always was about the two of them on their hands and knees underneath trying to re-engineer the the uh garbage disposal while you know while the <laughs> supper was getting put on the table so oh, man. it never that mind of making things better never stopped you know and it wasn't just a nine to five thing it was uh okay we're gonna have we were at Bobby Brown's in, in Mississippi one time and we stayed right at the house and we got into an argument about compression ratios and stuff at dinner. And we talked about it late into the night and we got up in the morning and there was Bobby Brown with a stack of books and he had been studying all night and we had breakfast and went back to the shop and he was like, God darn it all. I think you guys are right. <laughs> That's great. All right, here we go. Silvercrest Supper Club and Resort business since 1894. Is this it? That's, That's the one. That's. I think you can still get a room there for 20 bucks a night. I think. We're a, uh, no, no, no. They they, they raised the rates. Last time I was there, they apologized. It's now 35. What? <laughs> for the best dining, lodging, recreation, and entertainment, look to Silvercrest Resort and Motel. We're a locally owned and operated business that's been serving your community since 1894. <laughs> located near Watoma on Silver Lake. We're quality food and family fun. 
Wow, this is great stuff. Way to go, Dan. You've you've added something for us to do when we're in Wisconsin. There you are. So we're, we're going to start a new podcast, Diners, Dives, and Racing Stories. Yeah, we've there already we started. We there don't need we to start exactly. anything new. Hidden Horsepower covers it all for everybody, which is why you need to you subscribe, click the bell, do everything you got to do, write us a review, all that stuff. Uh, so, Dan, what's your – go ahead. I can't believe how fast the time goes. We didn't even get into cylinder heads or anything cool. Well, and that's what I want to <laughs> ask. No, it, well, that's what happens, and that's why we can do multiple episodes in the future. And uh, but you're, you know, you talk about that. Get into your platforms that you like. I I have looked and seen that you gave a presentation maybe a decade ago about the LS platform and coming in a NASCAR, and it was controversial. Which of the current modern OE style platforms that is coming out. Do you do you like to work with? You know, Ford's got its Coyote style with the chains and the overhead cams and all of that. We we talk to a lot of people that like the Dodges. Judging from what I can tell, you you might be a Chevrolet guy. But you tell me, what are you working on the most right now? And what do you like to work on? What are you interested in? Well, you know, they're they all have their basic similarities and they all have their uniquenesses the the coyote style or all that you know that the the funny thing about that is the first engine i did when we were we weren't ready to build engines yet so we were i had a piece of wood on top of a pallet that was on a forklift that we had rented and i was trying to fix a camera motor for a guy you know one of the old ford cameras for a car that they built which was uh, Perinelli Jones' tribute car. They, I mean, they reconstructed that thing to be identical to what they didn't let them race at NASCAR, you know, that year, whatever. I can't remember what year that was, but, you know, in that era. And they had built the thing out of an aluminum block, and, you know, it has a 40-foot-long timing chain on that thing and, a, and an adjustable tensioner, you know, that that's, locked in place it doesn't you know it's not a moving tensioner and so it had it was built somewhere and they never could get it off the dyno without it blowing up and we took and went through that thing and knock on wood it still is touring around some 10 12 years later now and and being shown off so that people can see something they otherwise couldn't so that you know and that's really it's way cooler now with the with the newer overhead cam Fords, but um, you know those things present some challenges. The interesting motors, the LS motors, you know, are all the rage. Um, guy came last week and took us for a ride in a brand new Z07, whatever the latest, the latest, latest uh, Corvette, and. Uh, well, it was cool. I mean, it bounced your eyeballs off the backside of your head, but, uh, you know, it sounded a little bit too fast and furious out the exhaust pipe for my tendency. Boy, I'll tell you, there's nothing like an old big block that's thumping and, and, you know, you can feel, you can feel the power. Um, we, we also did a, a big, uh, blown, uh, Pontiac, big, big cubic inch great t- big uh, vortex charger on it and um, methanol two rows of methanol uh, j- 
just the hottest. In fact, they even changed them right before we went to the dyno to a hotter coil, you know, coil on, eight coil setup and everything. And uh, I'll tell you what, standing next to that thing in the dyno room, you know, at 3,500 RPMs, you could feel every single light. I mean, it was, you know, how methanol sometimes it doesn't light real clean. I mean, this was every one was a snap, and I mean, you felt it in your bones. I mean, that's that's uh, you know a, a just a thrill to feel that. It had been a while since then. The my favorite thing I ever got to do, probably the biggest privilege ever, was there was a point in time. Uh, Craig Campton was was the uh, was the tuner on the pro stock car. I think Yates was driving it. And it was, uh, and and uh, Dick Maskins was building the motors and leasing them to him. And Dick had some things going on, and it was a point in time where he couldn't take care of it. And he trusted me to to keep them short blocks and and engines alive for a short period of time. And I don't know if if you never got a chance to stand next to a pro stock motor as it sits there and purrs like a kitten, and then comes to life. I mean if that don't make your heart just race, you, you just better rethink what you're doing. Cause there just isn't anything cooler than a pro stock engine in my, I built the whole shop so that if there was ever an opportunity, I had everything I needed to build pro stock engines. I, they have thrilled me ever since I got to touch that. I still can't believe that the guy would, would, uh, you know, entrust that much money worth of stuff to somebody that he hardly, hardly knew, but he knew, he knew Carl and he knew that, you know, he oversaw the place, but Carl was tied up with a lot of things. So, I mean, a lot of that fell onto me. And, uh, the biggest thrill was, was when they took everything back and he asked Craig, he's like, well, what did he say about, what did he say about it? And he said, well, he said he thought that he should do this and do this and do that with the captions. He's like, damn it. That's just what I thought. I like that guy. (laughs) So I, I wish he wouldn't have passed on. I really believe that. And we talked about it. I really believe that once he kind of got, got some things in order that we would have probably worked on a few things together just for the fun of it anyways. But, he was too soon taken from us too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, yes, I concur. My weekend job is working at the NHRA and I am on the starting line for pro stock. And I, you know, now it's a little different with a fuel injection. It's maybe a little, a little quieter, but uh, there is nothing like that sound of uh, you know, pro stock or in the water box or coming off the starting line. And it's exactly as you described. They, they kind of, you know, they sound, uh, smooth until they come to life as you say and and oh my goodness there's nothing like it you know there's uh there's people pro stock engines are in demand right now there's a lot of pro stockers again these days <laughs> perhaps yeah, you that's a class throw your hat in the ring <laughs> yeah exactly exactly keith as we begin to wind down with dan tim from AEC, of course, Dan, I want to let you know at the end of every episode, we always ask advice for the next generation. So in the back of your mind, you start thinking about that, how you might guide a young person in this industry, maybe some advice for them to help them uh, get ahead. But Keith, do you have any final questions, anything you want to throw out there to Dan before we get to that as we begin to wind down? So, Dan, you know, as far as you know, what, what's your what's the 
the current you know, go-to cool project, because you mentioned that Pontiac, and I was there, the last time I was there, that Pontiac was sitting there. And I'm just, you know, the question, you know, I, I don't know if you're working on anything like that, but what kind of power did that thing make? Because that was, and, and Joe's a Pontiac guy. He's working on a new motor for his car right now. Uh, that was one bad mama, let me just say that. What kind of power did that thing make? Yeah. It was, yeah, we we never got into the double digits of timing with it because we were just trying to get, basically get that bass tune. Um, we made about 1,220 horse or something like that. The trouble that I had, and we just basically ran our, there was there was some trouble getting the electronics. To, the cam sensor didn't want to talk the same language as the processor and whatnot, and so we struggled a little bit. Um, but it made so much torque down low that, uh, I would, I would lay the throttle down and I would never push the button. It, it basically turned the water to steam at about almost the identical, perfect rate to accelerate it. So I would just lay the throttle down and blink my eye and it would just start to accelerate without anything else, just cause it was turning the water to steam inside the absorber. Now, we could have probably worked through that a little bit, but we got the pulls we wanted to. We made more power than they thought they would at that point, and we never put the timing to it at all. And then the next step, the next phase of that was going to be to finish some of the other stuff up, and then they were going to hook it to the chassis dyno where they could, you know, I always caution people, engine dynos like to, they basically like to find that starting point, and with with that kind of motor, you know, they don't like to stop. They want to be going somewhere and, and, you know, you kind of got to be a little bit cautious. I know a lot of people wreck a lot of stuff on the dyno when they do that. It just, I think you just got to be super aware of the fact that, you know, the dyno will try to pull the motor backwards and, and supercharged or anything forced induction does not want to pull backwards. I mean, that is a no, no, especially from, from your standpoint, Keith, because those those rings do not like what happens when that happens. No, no, they don't. That would just as you just said, they don't like to go backwards in those kinds of applications. That's really, for, yeah. that is so hard on parts. It's it's hard to even explain how hard on parts that is. Yeah, and and when we say go backwards, it means that it's at say it's at forty five hundred. It's going to try to pull it back to forty three hundred before it lets it go forward. And and that right in that spot is is just very problematic. So you gotta you gotta be able to work around it. And you can with these electronically controlled things, you can work around them. We just we basically got ourselves out of time with with the whole project and and weren't able to have quite as much fun. But then the other side of it, we didn't wreck it either. So, <laughs> but it was a fun motor. And I'll tell you what, that thing. I mean, every single movement in it was bone shaking. I mean, it, it was, you could, it, it wasn't like, it was like, wow, we made this much horsepower. You felt the horsepower just as much as you've seen it on the screen. Wow. And all, and all the Pontiac people feel pride right now. They're like, yeah, that's right. What kind of block was it? What kind of parts do you, can you share that? Is that top secret? I know you got a a centrifugal supercharger. it uh, It was that aftermarket, I I, you know, we did it in conjunction with Lewin performance and, uh, they had built it. And then he had me finish some things that, you know, he, he knew this thing was going to make crazy power. He wanted, you know, another set of eyes on stuff. So we helped him do that. And I did just a ton of plumbing and, 
you know, all nice Brown and Miller hoses and I mean, all everything pristine. And, uh, but we used, uh, we used a set of Edelbrock heads on it. I know a lot of guys in that pro mod world are using their, I think they're morphing like a Ford head, but it has geometry troubles. We just decided to go with something a little bit more laid back, uh, something that we knew would, would be able to be trustworthy and stuff like that. And we were able to make power anyway. I mean, you, you get all the conditions, right. I mean, boosting engines is, uh, you know, I've made a, I've made a career of, of naturally aspirated cause there's a lot more intricacies to that, but, um, you know, boosted engines are, are when everything's happy. I mean, this guy is the limit. It really is. I mean, you can just do a lot of fun stuff there. Ah, exciting. Very exciting. Uh, Dan, all right, end of the show in that we believe that there are, and Keith and I have met him, which is really cool. Went to an AETC conference not long ago up there at Randy Neal's place, and there were a lot of young people that had a ton of questions. And my aim is that uh, they're listening to the podcast and they hear these great stories about Smokey Eunuch and they realize that this is a career or something that they want to get involved in. But I would love to give them a head start somehow, some way. So if you have some advice to the next generation of engine builder, of machinist, uh, what, what would it be? Run like hell. Um, seriously. <laughs> uh, Don't do it. Yeah. Put a put a revolver in your mouth. <laughs> no, um, he's kidding, kids. I'll tell That's you what. I'll tell you what. Um, you know, I've been doing this for I guess it's more than forty five years. Whatever, nineteen seventy, late seventy seven, nineteen seventy eight, started doing it. Um, I still get excited. I'm I'm a still a seven day a week guy. Um, you know, love working on it. So I mean. But it needs to be your passion. I mean, I get kids that come through here and, you know, they're kind of their race fans. You better you, you better try to be more than just a race fan. You, you should really want to, you know, be part of understanding stuff that's not ever been understood. People don't maybe understand or think about the fact that what you're trying to do every day is do something that nobody, not only nobody's ever done, but nobody's ever thought of, and there's no way to do it yet. I mean, that is what, you know, people are like, well, I, I worked 60 hours, and, and it's like, no, not not like one week because we were getting ready for it. We were talking, I mean, I think at one point I had a string of over 80 hours for, I want to say for 70-some weeks in a row, I never was less than 80 hours. I mean, because... You couldn't slow up at Christmas because we were getting ready for Daytona. I mean, right after Christmas, you were testing at Talladega, you know, in the Joe Nemechek days and stuff like that. I mean, uh, you know, you you were wide, wide open. We'd get done at Homestead and and right away down by scooter and doing valve train testing at least through at least through the first of December or something. I can remember a bunch of years in a row of traveling on thanksgiving you know the night before thanksgiving to be home for thanksgiving and and uh you know being back there on sunday night to keep on doing valve train dynamics tests so i mean it can consume your life 
but there's nothing like coming up with something that nobody's ever been able to do, you know? So you're not going to get rich at it. I can tell you that it, it just, I mean, unless something, some dynamic changes, I mean, all the parts that were, you know, in order for these companies to manufacture things, people like Jegs and Summit and those guys got to be able to sell them too, because there's a lot of money to develop and own all the equipment. So as we all try to evolve in this thing and, and live in it, those guys are out there retail selling, you know, at really low markups the same parts that we got to use here. So when we go to sell them, there's not, it isn't like a doctor or somebody like that, where there's a big margin somewhere, um, you know, so, so you got to love it. You got to, you know, that's, that's got to be your motivation because there's way, way easier ways to make a pile of money. Um, but I'm not sure there's anything that will make you feel the way, you can feel when you're standing there watching your stuff go across victory lane. I mean, I've fortunate enough won the goodies 300 in 1988 with Bobby Allison, the year he won both Sunday, Saturday and Sunday. Um, I never, ever forget that feeling of wanting to jump over the top of the moon and cry the nervousness. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, it was a crazy amount of emotions when that happened. Was fortunate enough to, you know, win championships with Bobby Labonte and 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 Joe Nemechek and Randy Lejeune, more people than I can even count. And uh, there's just a thrill when you see something that you put so much effort into uh, cross the finish line when you know you're racing against the best there is in the world. Um, you know, there's nothing like it. So, you know, somebody's all in, but you better be all in. I mean, I, I would probably recommend not. I mean, I, at, at 50 years old, borrowed a million dollars with the intent of making it and paying it back just by myself. And that was kind of stupid, but I don't regret it. I'm still here, probably against all odds. Um, you know, I'm too much too much engine oriented, not enough business minded, I guess, but, uh, I'm doing what I love to do and, and I'm making it, I'm making it. That is great stuff right there. How about that, Keith? I love it. And yes, kids, you just heard it, right? You heard it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Run away, put a pistol in your mouth. No, those two things. <laughs> They, they can't exist in the same time. We're kidding, kids. That's a joke. It's hyperbole. But I, I love hearing you say that, Dan, because, you know, there's a lot of people with a lot of money that they can't say what you just said. They just can't. They push the paper around or who knows what they're doing. But your job chose you. It's not like you even chose it, right? You're a five-year-old tearing your bike apart, for gosh sakes. Yep, exactly. So it's not like you really had much of a choice. Anyway, uh, Dan, thank you. I'm just along for the ride and what a ride it's been. Exactly. Dan, thank you very much for joining us on Hidden Horsepower presented by Total Seal. Keith, uh, you know, final final goodbye for Dan. Thanks so much, Dan. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I know it's kind of getting late for both of you guys back there. Uh, out here, you know, my way, not so bad, but, you know, I appreciate you guys taking up your evening, and, uh, and it's been great. Glad to be, we say, we jump back in with both feet. Looking forward to doing some more of these. Absolutely. Dan, thank you so much. Appreciate you. 
All right. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Dan Tim with us here on Hidden Horsepower Advanced Engine Concepts. Keith, that was tremendous. This guy comes across with Smokey Unix stories. He's won everything. He's there, the epitome of, of NASCAR, all of these great things. But I got to tell you, I am still looking at the website for the Silvercrest since 1894, Keith. I don't want this to be a Silvercrest ad, but I'm telling you, if you haven't been, you need to go. It is the coolest place. It's on Silver Lake. It's a gorgeous setting, inexpensive. The food's great. The bar area looks like it's out of a you know out of the Black Forest in Germany. It's all this wood carving. It's a really cool place and a total step back into the 70s. It's one of the coolest places I've been. Yeah, the 1870s. 1894 <laughs> is really, yeah. really well. But, you know, though, Dan, uh, it was very clear, and I was super excited when you recommended uh, having Dan on, that he, he loves what he's doing. He loves what he's doing. How many weeks? 70 weeks with 80 hours plus, something like that. He yeah. loves what he's doing, and he's still doing it to this day. Yeah, absolutely. Dan's passion you know, is, is making that power, getting in that winner's circle. Like I say, there's no bigger, you know, no bigger better drug than you know, watching your stuff come in on Sunday and your guy standing in the winner's circle. I mean, that, you know, how, do you, how do you beat that? How do you beat that kind of excitement? And that is what, that's what you know, drives Dan and Paul is to, you know, to get these wins, these championships, people that are successful uh, using their stuff. I mean, you know, if, if you need to say anything more than, you, like you say, if that's not what gets you, then you're in the wrong business. Exactly. Those of you out there who are listening to your first episode of Hidden Horsepower, we would encourage you to subscribe and write a review. We're also uh, got the Total Seal Piston Rings YouTube channel. Lake is putting up all kinds of great stuff. We do some live shows. We're on Facebook. We've got a group, all of these things. Just search for Hidden Horsepower and definitely swing by the pit if you happen to be out in an NHRA national event and say hi to Hartford uh, because they are having a fantastic season sitting second in the NHRA Camping World Pro Stock points, been to a couple of finals, won the Mission Foods Too Fast Too Tasty Challenge. Uh, it has been a really strong year for Team Total Seal in Pro Stock, something that Dan uh, had also mentioned. But what about you, Keith? What about the people out there who are listening to the show as entertainment but are working on their own project and maybe thinking uh, they need to give you a call? Where do they go? How do they do it? What's the latest greatest with Keith Jones? Yeah, re yeah. Reach us out. You know, reach on out to us. You can get to us. You know, via the website. You can email us. Call us on the toll free. Uh, best place to go is to our Total Seal website, totalseal.com. Our email contacts are in there. Phone numbers are in there. Lots of great stuff. Lots of great data. As Joe mentioned, the YouTube page. We've got so many tech articles and tech stories up there. Uh, but the bottom line is, reach out to us. Reach out to me. What do you got? I'm working on an old 1970 Laverta motorcycle right now. Guy can't find parts anywhere. Guess what? I can fix him up. So we're here for you. We're your resource. Reach out to us. That is great. Keith, great job as usual. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joe. He's Keith Jones, the Director of Technical Sales for Total Seal Piston Rings. I'm Joe Costello. You can hear me on WFO Radio. And I also work out at the NHRA. So if you want to go see some drag racing, just check out the schedule. And we will be there. Stay tuned for the next episode of Hidden Horsepower presented by Total Seal, which will be coming down soon. Thank you, everybody.